As uh, Ram said, my name is Roy, and uh, I am the director at Midnight Bible Conference, and it is a, a pleasure to be with you this morning. Um, if we could, I'd love to just open up in a word of prayer. For some reason, I am extremely nervous right now, which doesn't rarely happens, but it reminds me of the Apostle Paul where he was, he was going into the churches. He often said that he would go out of fear and trembling and weakness. So let's just uh, let's go before the Lord this morning. So Lord, we uh, just come before you, and Lord, just what an amazing time of worship already this morning. And uh, God, I, I believe that you have a word for all of us this morning, including me. And so God, I pray that as we open up your word of God, that it would do what, it was, what it's intended to do, which is to make us fall in, in love with you more and more. So I pray that that would happen today. And uh, God, we uh, give it all to you. In your name we pray these things, amen. So I have a question for you this morning. Uh, it's going to be a moment of reflection. I don't know if I'll stand up here. I hope that's okay. Hopefully every church has its own little boundaries or sacred cows. I'm not from New England, so I'm always stepping and slaying sacred cows in New England. So you have to forgive me. Um, but I love engaging. Um, I have a question. And so the question for you this morning is what makes you happy? What fulfills your deepest longings right now. Just take a moment, take a moment. I want you to think about this past week for you. Think about, look at your calendar. What made you happy this week? What fulfilled your longings? Those are tough questions. I'm wondering as you thought through what kind of ate up your schedule this week, if Jesus kind of made the, uh, I'll even say the top three. How important was Jesus in your life this week? That's kind of where we're going, right? Kind of was like, wow, it's kind of serious. Um, but what we're gonna talk about this morning, I think is uh, foundational to our walks as Christ followers. And, and I think in the busyness and the craziness of life, that there is an enemy who has a plan to constantly distract us with everything but Jesus. And oftentimes they're subtle. And so my topic this morning is that you cannot give what you don't have. And I'm gonna cut to the thing, I'm a, I'm a horrible reader actually. Uh, I usually, if I'm gonna read a book, especially fiction, I actually read the end chapter. Isn't that horrible? But I don't want to waste hours or days or weeks of my life with an ending that I do not like. So I find out who the main character is, and when I read the end, if I still see him in that kind of thing, I'm like, okay, you at least got me that I know that he, that he lives. I've read some books that that, that hasn't happened, and I just, I'm like, I, can I have those days and weeks of my life back? So I want to cut to the chase a little bit if I could. Ultimately, if you want a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. If you long for your spouse to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. If you long for your children to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, you have to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. If you long for your church body, your pastor, your elders, your deacons, 
your Sunday school teachers to have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts with you. Is that a good place for us to start this morning? So you have your Bibles. Turn to Deuteronomy 6. Now a little bit about my background. Actually, I'd love to throw a picture up of my family. That's really flooded out, uh, so I do apologize. I guess that wasn't the best picture. Uh, but that's actually us at Disney. Uh, so we did something very similar after our teen summer camp season, by which the way, by, you know, by the way is one of the best uh, weight loss programs in the world for me because uh, I put on 30 during teen winter camps. Uh, so, and then by the end of summer, I've lost at least 30 pounds by the end of summer. And so we decided to throw a Disney trip on top of that at the end of our summer. But that's my family, my wife, Karen. We've been married 21 years. Uh, and those are our three kids. Nicholas, uh, he's graduating. I'll get there. If I get emotional, I do apologize. But he turns 18. He's going to Cedarville uh, University here in the fall, which we're super excited about. Uh, that's Anna. Anna's my seventh grader. And then there's Emily. She is my fourth grader. And I think if I had had her first, she would be an only child. Uh, she is my strong-willed and uh, very unlike my prior to any parents, you know. Woo-woo. All right. So that's kind of our, that's my crew. Um, and we're going to get there because really what we're going to be talking about today, even though we're going to be talking about family, is like, okay, fine, I don't have a family I can check out. You've got to stay engaged, okay? So Deuteronomy 6, and we are going to start with verse 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. In some uh, translations, it's impress these things upon your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. I'd like you to kind of go down, and we're going to go to verse 17. It says, carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and statutes he has commanded you to do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that you may prosper and so that you may enter and possess the good land the Lord your God swore to give your fathers by driving out all your enemies before you, as the Lord has said. I love this in verse 20. And when your son asks you in the future, What is the meaning of the decrees, statutes, and ordinance that the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him. And it goes on and tells, you know, talks about basically their deliverance out of slavery. What I find powerful about this moment is when your son asks you, it doesn't say, well, go talk with Pastor Rob, and he'll kind of give you the context of why our faith is so foundational, why we find it in God. It says, when it comes to you. Why do we believe what we believe, mom and dad? Uh, why are these things important to you? Why do you obey these commands and decrees? So you see this very thing is as you want faith to be transmitted generationally, it really boils down to mom and dad. A little bit about my background. Uh, I am from Western Pennsylvania. Please don't hold that against me. Of course, our recent uh, engagements on the football field Touche. Uh, 
I believe black and gold. Uh, I'm hoping on my penguins right now. They're playing very good hockey, so that's always a good thing, a redeeming quality. Um, but Western, Western Pennsylvania, born and bred. Went to college at Nyack College. If you know where the Tappan Zee Bridge is, that's kind of where I went to college. I want to become a youth pastor. God had a very, very different plan for my, my life. And I ended up working with a, a adjudicated youth from uh, New York City. So they took a country bumpkin kid uh, with cornfields and threw me in Brooklyn, Queens, Harlem, Bronx. I got to see life in a very different perspective. Uh, it was life-changing for me working with adjudicated kids. Uh, my wife and I got married, and we went to Hershey, Pennsylvania, where we were house parents at a residential school. Again, caring for many of the brokenness uh, and addictions and things impacting family. So most of my life has been coming alongside families and helping them pick up the pieces. Ultimately, I, uh, because of situations, I ended up at Focus on the Family uh, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and I was the director of parenting and youth uh, there for almost six years uh, before being called out to that. Why do I share that? Because I've had a very interesting journey, one that I had never planned for myself. 15 to 20 years coming alongside kids whose parents were dealing with addictions. Um, could tell you many, many horror stories of girls putting closets in for the most first few years of their life. I uh, could tell you about the abuse, but most of it emotional and physical, but some of it a little further and deeper than that. How do you make sense of those kinds of things, tragedies, loss of life, you know, those kinds of things? So I found most of my life doing that and then going to focus and really beginning to understand kind of what is the, why is family so important? How did God design the family? And so this is why this text is so important for, for us because if I long for health and wholeness and for my kids to understand why I believe what I believe is then as we saw in the text, well, it has to start with me. It has to start with me. The research will tell us, and I love, love kind of pulling scripture and research together. As you look at the research, uh, they did a study uh, from the University of Southern California a few years ago. It was really cool. They studied 350 families over 35 years. One of the, one of the, lo- the biggest longitudinal studies ever done on what they were asking is how was faith transmitted from generation to generation to generation? Well, the University of Southern California is not necessarily known as a bastion of evangelical studies, but they were curious about how is faith transmitted. So they looked at Protestant faith, Judaism, uh, Mormons, Catholicism. So they just looked at these different uh, faith things, like what's what's the key component in faith being transmitted? They went all the way back pre-World War I, all the way today to millennials, and said, of these families who claimed a faith, what was the key through all of it? Would anybody like to guess what they found? What was the key for faith being transmitted down from generation to generation? Parents, absolutely, by far. No one even came close to second. second. Mom and dad, so I'll say this, mom and dad will be the number one pastor in a child's life. Period. Period. Oh, it's kind of cool, senior pastors come in second, so good, good to know, Rob. Youth pa- <laughs> you, some studies, so the Lutherans have done a lot of studies on this, what they found, like, so they've in, interviewed kids and uh, teens, teenagers and youth groups, 
and they've asked him, you know, who's that most influential person in your life? Youth pastor me like was number eight. You think about that. In the church, youth pastor was number eight. Mom and dad, biggest influences in a child's faith. So what we find to be true in research, we also know to be true in the word of God. That is, if you want your children, you want to impress certain things upon them about their faith, then it has to start with mom and dad. And so each of us, each of us, whether you're a parent or not today, all of us are fleshing, understanding our faith in the context of what we learned at home. So every day, most of us are either accepting or rejecting what was taught. Do you know the number one reason why kids kind of walk away from the faith? Hypocrisy. Believe that? Hypocrisy. So basically, it was like, hey, we go up to Sunday, we put our nice jackets on. We fought the whole way here, of course. But we put on our living room face and act like we got it all together. But what kids see Monday through Saturday is something very different. Where's that same God that we worshiped on Sunday? Where's he at Monday or Tuesday in the busyness and craziness of life? I think we can all identify that with that, can't we? Just the craziness of that. But this is why scripture is so important because it reminds us. Remember the son? Remember, see the scripture? What did it say? When your son asks you why you believe what you believe, it's to show God's faithfulness. Isn't that cool? I just, I love it. So, I have a story to share. One of the things you're going to learn about me is I'm just really transparent to a fault, right? Typically, our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses, so I'm transparent to a fault. Um, So, 21 years of marriage. uh, I think if I threw any of our family photos up there, right, there's a lot of stories to be told. So, if you look at the relationship with my wife and I, uh, when I told you that we worked with girls, uh, we we were only married two years, and they gave us a home of 10 middle school, high school girls, Exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. It, it really was. So within about a year and a half, our marriage completely fell apart. Completely. My wife had disappeared. So this is the hard thing. And I think we kind of live this out. And so we, because we were house parents, we would have supervisors come in our house all the time. And we had to be perfect parents, right? You're working with kids. You got to do parenting like perfect. Try to do that when your marriage is falling apart. Well, hard to do that. So when my wife would go away for a few days, because she just couldn't take the stress, we had Nicholas, so we already had our first, so let's throw, let's throw one more into the mix, being parents for the first time. Just the wheels came off. We had to go through counseling, ultimately get back, restore that, the importance of our marriage. Been 21 years of fighting ever since, right? Fighting for it. Oftentimes in the same trench hole, at times in opposite trench holes, but fighting for something that we believed in, marriage. Um, I could tell you about uh, my, my uh, addiction to pornography and coming in out of that. Huge story behind that. We don't have time for all that. But we talk about the things that I look for ultimately to satisfy. Remember that question I asked you? Your longings. Um, could talk about job loss, being without work. There's so much where you see, for the most part, happy faces, except for my fourth grader. Uh, <clears throat> but there are stories behind that of God's faithfulness to our family. 
saying, I have you. Don't give up me. Don't give up on me because I haven't given up on you. That's where faith and family is so important because it's fleshed out. Do you see that here in the text? When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decree, statute, and ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you, tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh, and all of his household. But he brought us from there in order to lead us in and give us the land that he swore to our fathers. I often wonder as a parent that the stressors and the conflicts and the challenges I'm facing, is it strictly because God has created a classroom for my children to see in me, do I really believe what I say? I really wonder if what I go through is so my kids can see in me Jesus. I wonder that. Because there are times when things come in my life, I'm like, I have no clue why I'm experiencing this right now. I have no clue. I'm like, why am I experiencing this? And maybe it's just because, because I, want my, I want your children to see Jesus. And knowing that I am their number one pastor there's no other way for them to see it. Just so they can see it's more than just a Sunday relationship, right? That's powerful, isn't it? Those are hard questions to ask because I often find myself find, finding myself very incapable of doing that, of living that out. There are often times when us as a family, when we've had a really rough day, which by the way, we do, where we end up our prayer time every day together as a family, and I would question, when was the last time you prayed together as a family? When we pray, there's oftentimes crying, asking for forgiveness. Trust me, I have two daughters. <laughs> Constantly screwing that one up. But somehow, it's not, it's of what we did well today. It's almost like what we didn't so, do so well. And how do we invite God into the junk of that? Because that's where he shows himself, isn't it? Necessarily when things are going really well. What's really cool about that University of Southern California study is this. It wasn't what the parents necessarily taught. Prayer, going to church, devotional, doing Bible studies together, kind of those kinds of things. Those, what are those practices as a family that was uh, impactful on faith, right? So they looked at those things, but that wasn't the key. All those things are very important. This is the coolest thing that's coming out of the research, and I think we see this here in the text. It was the emotional warmth in those practices. It was the emotional connection a parent makes with a child in that. And guess who was key in that between mom and dad? Dad. When dad engages with his kids at a faith level, it's like getting Tom Brady as a quarterback of your football team. He becomes the goat of the family. He does. The research is unequivocally saying, now does that make mom unimportant? Absolutely not. But I want you to understand how important it is when a father engages his family on a faith level. If you long to be Tom Brady, other than putting on his jersey every Sunday, you can be by leading your family and open up the word of God together. That powerful? And it's not just because you're opening up the word of God together. It's the connection you make 
at a heart level. Do you see that here? Look at Deuteronomy 6 again. Because remember, you cannot give what you don't have. If you long for your children and family to follow in the precepts of the Lord and follow his commandments, it is to love the Lord your God, verse 5, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. I love what Jesus says. Well, he's like, well, that's the Old Testament, Roy. Jesus was posed with the same question in Matthew. He said, sum up all the commandments. Do you know how many commandments there were? 613. 613. Sum up all the commandments. And what did Jesus say? Love me with all of your heart, mind. He's, he's, he's going back, and I believe, to this text and saying, you need to love the Lord your God with everything. And then to do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. He said all of the laws, everything, it's almost like a summation statement of his existence to say is you need to love me and then they'll go love and be missional. And as you're being missional, start with your family. You know what's really cool? I see, I see you know, some gray, right? I'm getting there. Grandparents, the research shows that not only do you have uh, an influence in your family but you have a direct influence on your grandkids. You do not have to go through your, your grand, your, through your children to get to your grandkids. The research shows that grandparents have a direct impact religiously on their grandchildren's faith. Amen? I love that. Because you know why? Grandkids love hearing stories. Let me tell you about God's faithfulness. My grandmother, I'm, hopefully I'm doing okay. I'm gonna wrap things up. I just told you, I'm just, I am who I am. I make no apologies. <clears throat> I recently lost my 95-year-old grandmother. I was asked to give the eulogy, which I've never done before. And my grandmother would have this story. Now, she was 4'11", a spitfire. She lost her, my grandfather. He died at the age of 47. Um, so mo- most of her life as a widow, and she was a spitfire. Uh, she was known for pinching, which I don't know if any of you pinch, but please stop. <clears throat> She was known for pinching. Like, I have something to say, I'm grabbing some skin. <clears throat> and, but she would tell this story. She was raised, she had 13 brothers and sisters. So my great-grandfather also passed away at a very young age. So a single mom in the Depression era raising 13 kids. She remembers clearly a story of they didn't know where their next meal was coming from, they ran out of coal, it was winter time, and she remembers her mother praying. And all of a sudden, a coal truck pulls up to the house, they open up the chute, they dump the coal down into the basement. She comes out and says, I didn't order that. Well, it's yours now, because he had delivered it to the wrong house, it's yours now. And and my grandmother would talk about that in essence of God's faith. Do you see that there in the text? When your son asks you, so my grandmother was saying, grandson, this God that I serve and who your parents serve, he's been faithful to our family for generations. And in some ways what she's saying to me is, don't forsake him. Don't leave him. Recently, as you know, I, uh, just real quickly, I want to end with a story because I think this is where ultimately what makes you happy and fulfills your longings. 
about a month ago, I was speaking at our youth camp and um, the Lord tapped me on my shoulders about 3.30 in the morning. He was saying, you and I need to spend some time together. 3.30 in the morning, you know, it's, it's one of those conversations like I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed, uh, running a camp, I don't know how to run a camp by the way, so that's interesting how God went through you and run a camp. <clears throat> um, but I remember getting on my knees and going down my living room and I threw you know, my phone and put on some worship music and I remember being before God and saying, God, I don't even know where to start. Ever been there? He's like, I don't know how to express. And so I opened up the word and I remember falling in Ephesians 4 and it says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And I remember saying, guys, God, I just wanna be found worthy. And I started bawling. Now, I have to be honest with you, I've taken over a camp that in a lot of ways was going in a wrong direction. So I've given everything just trying to stabilize it and get us going in the right direction, and that has required a lot of hard decisions. But God is blessing what's happening in Nadnock. But my wife, about four months ago, said, me or the camp. I'm like, well, how does that happen? How did, how did I lose that way again, right? She's like, that season is over. Okay, you know, you, you know, you've been there, right? Married, you kind of know where I'm going with that. So I found myself at the, at, with the Lord this morning, and I had this thing is, God, my best isn't good enough. It's not good enough. I can't seem to hold my marriage together. I can't seem to hold my family together. I can't seem to hold camp together. Just completely overwhelmed and burdened, and this is what he said to me. He says, Roy, you're not enough, but I am. How do, I, how do I forget that? I've been walking with the Lord a long time. How do I forget that? Because ultimately, I was finding that my longings and desires were ultimately be, being filled for, for in something else. That my identity was being found as a camp director, not as a child of God. Does that make sense? And so what, why did I ask us that this whole question of what you cannot give what you don't have is if I long for the, the guests that I serve, if I long for my wife to be in love with Jesus, if I long for my children to be in love with Jesus, that ultimately I've got to find that all of my satisfaction, all of my longings, all of my desires are fulfilled in one person and one person alone that's found in the Son of Jesus Christ, period. And the craziness and the busyness and the demands of life can rob you of that. So if I want to Transmit faith. It's got to start with me. That's what I have for you this morning. And I just trust the Holy Spirit will do what he is. Now some people say, but where I've been screwing up most of my life. You know what the great thing about God is he's in the business of redeeming. He's the, one of the greatest recyclers of our junk ever. He recycles it. He redeems it. And he never bases your yesterday on today. Your yesterday doesn't define you today to re-engage, to re-engage the heart of God and I believe that he redeems whatever's been broken. I love that about God. Even recently I've experienced that. So how do I want to end this? I'm always seeing what the Lord wants to go with this. So if you long to have that, one of my questions for you this morning is do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It starts there. Because this is the reality is we're passing something on to our kids whether we want it or not. We're passing something on every day. I hope it's Jesus. And I think this would be the coolest thing when to talk about missional and transformative. 
Imagine Pastor Rob and your church's leadership's job if you already came to church fired up. Imagine if revival began in your home. And that happens, actually. When Tom Brady takes the field, so when you get in that game every day, and we're gonna pray together, open up God's word together as a family, and then Sunday comes, man, it's game time. How's Rob gonna make that even better? So that's my challenge for you, is already come up fired. Don't rely, no offense, don't rely on him to make that work and happen. Already come fired up because I'll tell you, you will be truly transformative and truly missional. And when your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren say, who is this God? It's gonna be really easy to point the way because you can show him the plethora of the ways that he's intervened and has not only been faithful to you, but been faithful to this church. Can we bow our heads in prayer?